There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. <laughs> That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? Man, I'm sitting here on my dog bed. I'm covered in old dog hair. I'm feeling ready to do a show. I'm covered with a fine, thick pelt of hair as it is already. <laughs> you are. Um, all right. Welcome to the show, everyone. I am Ben Kissel. That's Marcus Parks in a dog bed. That's not a lie. He is in a closet in a dog bed. Puppy head. Bulldog. Bulldog. Henry Zabrowski. And I'm horny like a little bulldog. Have you ever seen a little bulldog? You can pick him up and he's got a little tiny hard penis and you can throw him at a cat. He'll just, he'll just fuck a shit out of a cat. <laughs> All right. So today's topic is uh, interesting. We're going back into the world of cults, right? Yeah. Is this correct? Oh, now, absolutely. Now, this is a fascinating cult, and they are called, it's a huge one, and it's called Children of God. Yep. The Children of God, now known as the Family International, is a far-reaching Christian sex cult started in the late 60s by a then 50-year-old failed Pentecostal preacher named Dave Berg, oh. no relation to the beloved beloved Mad Magazine artist of the same name. And you learned that the hard way, because originally <laughs> you sent me a text so excited that David Berg was also the art- artist behind the lighter side in Mad Magazine. You were excited. He well, did no, the- I, d- I knew that Dave Berg was the guy who did the lighter side yeah. of it. It's the lighter side of the gas crisis. Yeah. But I did. I knew immediately that it was not my beloved Dave Berg. You know, there are a lot of people that are really upset right now, right? Because the country's still kind of reeling from the election. But it, no matter how upset you are right now, at least you're not a part of an organization that you were born into where you're forced to have sex with your own aunt. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, you know. There's a right. lighter side, Dave Bird. Oh, that's the lighter, the lighter side? side? Yes, having fun with it. Uh, having fun with 2016. I like the bulldog lighter side. <laughs> Uh-oh. Now, over the years, as Henry said, the Children of God cult became embroiled in a number of sex scandals involving incest, religious prostitution, child abuse and pedophilia they have since reformed and now operate as a fairly respectable French Christian cult but its beginnings are beyond sinister okay just one question religious prostitution Re- is that just does that mean all the prostitutes dress like nuns and they hang <laughs> out on the street corner what is I'm sure what is religious <laughs> prostitution and trust me we will get into flirty fishing on the next episode <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of flirty fishing going on in this country, but mostly it's between uncles and their poor, poor nephews. If it has anything to do with what I know for a fact the Mormons do, which is a thing called soaking, it will be disturbing. Soaking? What's soaking? Soaking is when you simply put uh, your male genitalia inside of a woman and you just sit. Ah, yeah. You, you uh, soak it like it's a like it's a businessman who's in Japan uh, selling a big, you know, making a big deal, and he wants to go to sauna. Where I am up from from up north, we call that steeping. Oh, I did colloquialisms. <laughs> now, the founder of the Children of God, David Berg, was just another in a long line of people who either belonged to or were leaders of fringe Christian sects. Berg's earliest ancestors in America were a trio of Jews who converted to a Mennonite sect known as the Dunkers, so named because they preferred to nearly drown their congregants during baptism. Also, not to not to completely interrupt, but have you ever had an apple cider donut made by the Amish community? <laughs> Only good oh. thing they do. And, and furniture as well. Furniture yeah. as well, and quilts. Oh, <laughs> ugh. 
Hand of God. <laughs> I have to say, I just had a terrible flashback. Of course, I grew up evangelical. We know that. I got dipped in, uh, I believe it was Iverson or Jordan Park, and I was so fat, I wore the white shirt because I was like, they're never going to see my boobs now. And Whoa. I got dumped by Pastor Matt. I come out of the water. They laughed at me. <laughs> yeah. They laughed at my boobs. And you know when you wear the shirt, your belly button becomes larger than it actually yeah. is. Uh-huh. It looks like you can go spelunking in it. And they laughed at yeah. me. Oh, yeah. yeah. All the fat kids tried that. We call that the swimming pool fat. Fallacy. <laughs> fallacy. I did that throughout my whole. I told that story before about how I used to wear the shirt in the pool, and then they used to make fun of me relentlessly, and then they pulled me in the shower and stripped me nude and all made fun of my penis. <laughs> and that's how Henry Zabrowski knew he wanted to be president one day. <laughs> but um, it's also David Berg's grandparents when they so they chose the hard way from the very beginning. He said his grandfather was known as like a fighter. Mm-hmm. That they would literally go as these Jewish guys, now Mennonites, from mm-hmm. from Jewish to Amish. Now they're living in America and. They're literally just going places and fighting people in the street. And he said that they had no idea what they were doing, like religiously, but they made a shit ton of money. And David Burke put it because his grandfather was a Jew all the way to the end. (laughs) David Burke is a great man. You guys are really going to love David Burke as we go through these episodes. Yeah. And Burke's grandfather, John Lincoln Brandt, was a Campbellite, which was a movement that looked to return the church to a purer time before established church doctrine, avoiding what they called, quote, churchianity. Huh, that's an interesting term. I kind of like it. Yeah, churchianity meaning uh, that they are more beholden to the church than they are to the word of God. Yeah, they're big fancy church talk where they don't have sex with their children and don't have <laughs> sex with their sisters and brothers. Interesting. <laughs> I mean, I sort of took it the other way. I thought they would be against the institution, but pro only the biblical word. Yeah, that's totally. exactly what they oh, are. Oh, that is what it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, they're totally. doing the flip reverse of biblical words so deep that even Jesus Christ is just like, I'm going to kill myself again. I'm going to come back just to kill myself again, just so that you guys can get a bit of a redo. Because there's some kind of, you guys are going off the fucking campus here. But then when you actually do read the Bible, everything, you can pick out some very creepy passages, and I would think Jesus must have a, a quite a few Stephen Urkel moments. <laughs> Did I do that? He's like, why are you having sex with your niece? Right here, sir, it says you can. He's Did I do right that? <laughs> He's just in heaven right now, fucking the hole in his hand over and over again. Uh, Berg's mother, Virginia Brandt, was a radio evangelist and traveling preacher who made her name during the Pentecostal revival that took hold during the early part of the 20th century, which was big on fire and brimstone, speaking in tongues, laying of hands, what they called old-time religion. Hmm. But it's interesting because this was like newfangled at the time. This was like the hip quote-unquote hipster religion where they were putting a lot of passion and intensity into mm-hmm. Christianity and also ladles and ladles of horseshit. <laughs> right. Yeah, Virginia's hook came from an accident she supposedly had in which she was thrown from a horse and buggy, broke her back, and was bedridden for five years. And one day, miraculously and without explanation, she rose from her bed cured and was thenceforth known as the miracle woman telling her tale of divine healing. And she took her story, which she called From Deathbed to Pulpit, and became one of America's first female evangelists and hosted a fairly popular radio show that she called Meditation Moments. I mean, she definitely made the best out of a terrible situation. Why couldn't James Caan do the same thing from the film Misery? You know? 
I mean, he was just lying there like a whiny uh, ass. Well, the only problem was is that was all bullshit. Uh, none of that happened. Yeah, that didn't none happen. of it happened. Years later, one of David Berg's daughters revealed that during the time she was supposedly bedridden, she was actually down in Fort Worth attending Texas Christian University. Which is actually a more inspiring story. Yeah. She was in college getting her master's degree, but the problem was that she was having a child at the time that went on to disown them mm-hmm. because she did. She grew up like basically immediately became an atheist like some kids do and saw through all of their horseshit and was like, what are you guys talking about? And they kind of exercised her from the family. So she used that story to cover up that whole birth of a child. Yeah. Hmm. Well, she didn't just use it that. I mean, David Burke, mm-hmm. I mean, in other words, justifying a lie in order to get people to believe in Jesus's word, that was in Burke's DNA. I mean, these people are no different from Bigfoot hunters who fake dead Bigfoot bodies because they know in their hearts that Bigfoot is real. They absolutely right. know that Bigfoot is real, but they don't have any real proof, so they make some shit up to get people halfway there. And if the ends justify the means, it's all okay. Exactly. Now, David Berg's father, his name was Hjelmer Berg. What was that? Hjelmer Berg. I'm sorry, Hjelmer. what? <laughs> Hjelmer Berg? Hjelmer Berg. His first name was Hjelmer, last name Berg. Is he a talking couch from Pee Wee's Playhouse? <laughs> it does sound like it. Hjelmer Berg. He does sound like a piece of furniture from Ikea that has come to life. <laughs> it does. He was a poor Swedish immigrant who, before coming to America, made extra money during the Swedish summers performing musical numbers and acrobatic routines in a wandering minstrel show. Now this is going to be one of your racist minstrel shows. This show is going to be lots of kicking and dancing and jumping and oof, it seems my trousers have fallen around me ankles. Oof, is there a child who's giving it the sicky sick? Oh no, no, Jalmer, I slapped my own hand. Slap my hand, most nutty shit, Jalmer. And that is if Charles Ng was born a Swedish man. <laughs> I don't know how to do a Swedish accent. And what I, I will love say it. Is now that we're in the world of just Sweden, I'm allowed to do it. Oh, no Swiss, Swedish bullshit connected to it. It is Jorn of Jorn and Hjalmar, standing tall and blonde, who said to have a beautiful tenor singing voice, did nothing to stop anyone from hurting anyone. Uh. <laughs> See... Now, we talk a lot here about the perfect serial killer soup. For example, Henry Lee Lucas was created by a terrible childhood with an abusive mother, an already broken mind made worse by exposure to brain-rotting chemicals, and the ease of passage of a drifter lifestyle. Now, you're really selling it, Marcus. And I actually want that. (laughs) At this point in time, I want that. (laughs) Better than split pea, I'll tell you that. So when you combine David Berg's ancestry with the first 50 years of his life as a failed charismatic preacher and add in the naivete of the hippie movement, David Berg was the product of a perfect cult leader suit. It's very interesting how we see that, that that's true, that there are a certain number of factors that completely work out for a cult leader. And a part of it's having a period of time with a lot of the shit going on. And now what we know is that it was in the 1920s in America, the 1960s in America, and then also with the 70s, 80s in Japan, right? The, the perfect fertile time for people that have lost themselves. They're a part of a new generation. They're looking for somebody to talk to. And all of these weird side religions are getting mixed together. And that's where someone like David Berg, who's not necessarily 
necessarily great on detail work, but great on broad strokes, is <laughs> right. good at taking a bunch of religions and smashing them together and have you allow you to have sex with your children. <laughs> it is unbelievable. I mean, my parents, uh, they, they turned to Daystar. That was their Christian cult. They were all over the place. And the irony is it was the children. This was their rebellion against their evangelical or Baptist whatever parents. Oh, yeah. And we'll definitely get into the whole rebellion part of it. Now, as far as David Burke himself goes, he was born in Oakland, California on February 18th, 1919. In a letter to a friend of hers, Virginia said about baby David... At first, he was a fat and robust little fellow, but I overfed him. I had such a quantity of milk, and he developed bowel trouble. Oh. <laughs> Mrs. Mrs. Zabrowski? No, I told you my thing. I, cu- I couldn't suckle out of my mother's tit because I had weak cheek muscles. Right, like, a, like a little piggy. <laughs> I had to drink. My mom had to milk herself into a cup and I'd have to drink it out of a straw. Oh, they thought I, I was going to die of malnourishment. Oh, I think a, if I was a doctor, I would have said, Mr. Browski, you just have the world's fanciest boy. <laughs> Only out of a cup will do. I'll have it in a highball glass. Thank you. <laughs> and don't be slow about it. A little spank for you. Here's a dollar. I found it in my diaper. <laughs> now, the reason for writing the bowel trouble letter was that Virginia was claiming that a faith healing had taken place here. She said a local healer had come to see the constipated baby, done his work, and the very next morning, David had his first natural bowel movement since his breast milk-induced sickness began. Nothing would please me more to go back to childhood where I'd be praised for taking shits again. Oh you know? my god. It was so nice. Is there a chance this person just accidentally sat on David and then he shat and he's like, he's been cured. <laughs> just rolled him back and forth on top of like a pizza tray. Yes. <laughs> Looks like we made a Tootsie Roll. Congratulations, David. Uh, It wasn't until after David was born that his family threw in with the Pentecostals, which in the 20s was just starting to gain steam. Now, Pentecostals, for those of you who don't know, are the snake handlers, the faith healers, the tongue speakers. These are the people that really, really get into it. And have either one of you guys ever been to like a Pentecostal or Foursquare church or anything like that? I got kicked out of uh, Christian school in third grade because I couldn't speak in tongues, and that was an early indication about how I wouldn't be able to improvise, and uh, it really... (laughs) made me, uh, you know, uh, not do well at the People's Improv Theater during those classes. It was horrific. I mean, speaking in tongues, all you have to do is like the the Try it, try it. Oh, you hit a couple of triple Bs in there too, man. You are good. You should hear me in traffic. I feel like when I'm driving in LA and I'm alone, I go, I, I have driven in traffic in LA with Henry many times for many hours, and the things that I heard could end his career. Yes. Yes. Now, in 1925, when David was six, the Berg family moved to Miami and started the Berg Evangelistic Dramatic Company. God, that's so much fun. It's like the, it's like the electric company. See, all of these things were very exciting. These people really knew how to put on a show. Oh, yeah. They're yeah. All, they were all showmen. They'd been right. that way for, abs- for years, and they took it from because- a lot of different spe- a lot of different spaces. 
because Virginia was known as, of course, she was the preacher, but Hjalmar was known as choreographer and music director. So he literally was singing and dancing, goose-stepping around with his perfect blonde hair while everybody was just being like, I can't believe how big the Swede is. They were just so excited to see <laughs> yeah. a Swede. I feel like it's a Michelle and Marcus Bachman type thing happening here. I think Marcus and this... Uh, <laughs> what's his name? Hjalmar. Hjalmar. Hjalmar in Virginia. Yeah, he might have enjoyed a, a different uh, type. He might have. I do... I do believe that in the 1920s, music director was slang for homosexual. <laughs> yes. Now, within just a year of starting the Evangelistic Dramatic Company, the group had moved from a small tent of just a few dozen to a 4,500-seat auditorium. David said his memories from this time were not so much of the revivals, but more of the constant scoldings he got from his mother because the kid played with himself too goddamn much. And this is true. He legitimately was a compulsive masturbator by the age of four years old. And he does not remember a single thing about his childhood, but just how much he loved to masturbate. That's it. But that's just a, I don't know. Do you call your kid out for, for diddling? I mean, he's two, three, four years old? Well, this is what, I mean, I've seen definitely parents being like, hey, kid, get your hands out of your pants. Because kids like to put their hands in their pants, especially boys. It's warm. (laughs) You get immediate satisfaction. Yeah. It's just, I mean, but most kids, you can just kind of like spat them off and be like, hey, kid, you can't do that in public. That's mostly, that's what most people do. I was a nude boy, too. Yeah. Yeah. I was always taking my pants off. I'd get a little like, eep. And I go like, hey, I'm like, go. I stick it at plants and stuff. You know what I mean? But I, but I was given a healthy dose of shame. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean, the shame helped keep me together. I yeah. think you have to just deliver the shame in a, in the proper way. You don't beat them so then they get hard and then they associate a whipping with it. And that's pretty much what happened yeah. with David Berg. One night when Virginia caught David diddling himself, she brought the whole family into the room oh, and brought a bowl and knife along with her and told David that if he didn't stop diddling himself she was gonna cut off his dick in front of the whole family this is how you make john travolta (laughs) this is this is not good parenting but david said that that didn't stop him at all because quote it felt too good to quit my dear (laughs) he also told a story unconfirmed that he had a mexican babysitter named maria who quote Used to suck me to sleep for my nap every afternoon. God, I do like the idea of him being four years old and sounding like Christopher Lee. Maria, come closer. How am I supposed to take my nappy without my baba? Unless you give me a little bit of a sucky sucky on my wee-wee knob. It is very sad and disturbing because he's four. But if he's 34... I mean, that's, that's all, it. That, it's also it's criminal. <laughs> now, David would later use this incident as an excuse to molest young children under the guise of quote calming them down <sighs> and to command and allow other members of his cult to do the same. In fact, his daughter you, used to talk about how her dad uh, to get her to sleep, and she would talk about this just completely openly, like it was the most normal thing in the world. She said that he used to give him a front rubbing. I was just wondering. Okay, so you have a situation. Situation, and this is a this is a question that I'm asking, putting it on my student cap. <laughs> okay, a okay, situation. Good. Because I, put, I will say, researching this whole Children of God cult, I feel very, I felt very Pete Townsend. <laughs> yes, it is disgusting. They said they felt normal with it yeah. until society told them it was abnormal. If the society but, would have never said it was abnormal, would that they came have from up top? 
that came from David. David told them that society told him that that was supposed to be abnormal. And now we're normalizing it. Now you're going to hear the term normalizing a lot now right. because of Donald Trump and all this stuff. But that's the idea, right? It's creating, making it banal, making it every day, making it be right. a thing that we're now going to get used to. He said that it was, there was nothing wrong because he experienced sexual activity as a child and he liked it. But mostly just because he probably is a sociopath. Or, or oh, psychopath. He's a, nar- he's a textbook narcissist. But would the shame be attached so heavily to it if society didn't d- deem it? I mean, obviously, it's completely uh, repulsive. In this cult, what Berg has to have is that he has to have his children. He has to have the people that are closest to him. He has to force them to come out because these people were not okay with it. They were just saying in public that they were okay right, with right, it. Right, right, right. Yeah. So Berg forces these people to go out and say like, hey, listen, it was done to me when I was a kid and look at how great I turned out to be. I'm second in command of the children of God. The cult yeah. that all of you, not even cult, the family that all of you belong to and love. So it's completely and totally okay. Yeah for you to do it to your kids and to let us do it to your kids. Meanwhile, they see a rat. We're going to get there because you got to remember at some point he's just building the cult. What we now know about cults is that once he once it's too late, then he can because we're going to that the whole children, the idea of sexualizing children doesn't really happen until later on. Yeah. When he is now like he's already got them. They've already given them their possessions. He is now got them and he is now slowly advancing it, starting with his inner circle. And it started so inner, it started with his kids. And you actually see this obsession, sexual obsession, in many starts of many religions. Mormonism is number one. Like Joe Smith used his sexual addiction in order to and and use the Bible to back up his polyamory to have multiple wives right. because it's all on him. It was about it's all about his sexual gratification. We're gonna find about David Berg is that it's got nothing to do with the family, it's got nothing to do with the cult. He's trying to create an entire society that says it's okay for him to live how he wants to live with his sexual his sexual problems because children have no consent. Children cannot give consent. They cannot say Yes, please. Yes, thank you. No matter how they respond. So it's like you are you are showing a child from very early when you do these sorts of acts toward them that they have no power, which destroys their ego for the rest of their life. Yeah, and uh, as far as uh, sex being the motivators of cults, it's not just the want of sex, but also the shame of sex. Look at Heaven's Gate. Mm-hmm. Heaven's Gate was a complete and total reaction to Marshall Applewhite's um, just a complete and total uh, lack of understanding and lack of acceptance about his own homosexuality. Sexuality is that the, that was the whole thing with Marshall Applewhite is that he was gay. So his way to try to overcome his gayness was the castration thing. And then when that didn't right. work, it was the mass suicide thing. I mean, that's the whole thing about Heaven's Gate is that it happened because Marshall Applewhite couldn't come to terms with the fact that he wanted cock. Well, the first thing that happened with Michael or with with uh, Applewhite was he saw aliens and he's like, I want to have Sigourney Weaver's haircut. And then he <laughs> shaved his hair, and then he's like, Now I'm now I'm going with you. <laughs> Now we got to cut this thing off. <laughs> well, David, as is fairly obvious at this point, he had a lifelong compulsion towards and an obsession with sex, and his mother's attempts to curb that seemed to have the absolute opposite effect. When she mm. caught him masturbating again when he was a teenager, she called in Berg's father, Hjalmar, and made David finish to completion in front of him. How would this work? It's the equivalent of you. Oh, I, I caught you smoking. Now smoke.
smoke the whole pack. Next thing you know, the guy's the Marlboro Man. Well, I mean, that's what oh, this... Oh, David, when you do your bit of your jerky jerk, I couldn't help but notice you don't squirt very much. Here's some <laughs> celery. He just makes... He keeps like, telling him, you know... The, can you imagine being... have to do that in front of your homosexual oh. Swedish father? Oh, good. Yeah, that is... Uh, that's insane. Well, that... What it actually seemed to do with David Berg is that it seemed to instill, like, a ridiculously rebellious attitude towards sex for David, and it somewhat normalized the shattering of sexual boundaries towards family members. Because, sure. of course, like, he would be sitting there masturbating in front of his father, and that didn't dissuade him. And him... He's just sitting there polishing the buttons to his lederhosen, <laughs> choreographing five girls in a crucifix position, trying to shout about the triumph of God. How could you not come? But this is... <laughs> if you're a parent, you walk in on your teenage son, it's very normal to masturbate. You just walk out. Yeah. Why would you... I don't... There's, there's some issues here. The, oh, yeah, there's my quite mom a few. Me, my mom caught me once uh, masturbating on the, on the computer, and um, she called me. Uh, she said, you're a pig. You're a disgusting <laughs> pig. And then pulled me out into the – because they had put the computer in my room when I was 14 years old. Not a good idea. And it was like Oof. my – I had known about porn, and I, we had just gotten the internet. And so I just went like – lesbian schoolgirls. I just went click, 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 like a like a, a an orangutan using a tool. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. Well, that whole sexual boundaries between family members, that would almost be crossed with David's mother, according to David, at the age of 19. See, by the time David was in his late teens, he was working as his mother's chauffeur, driving her from revival to revival so she could spread the word of the miracle woman. And one night, they found themselves having to stay in a cold room with only one bed. As the two shared the bed, the temperature dropped, and David's mother wrapped him in a warm embrace. And what Henry is about to read, this is not hearsay. This is not secondhand. This is information that David Berg not only freely offered, but sent out to his followers in a letter. Henry? So remember this. Okay, so number one, he's bragging about this. Number two, he. I'm going to again describe to you what Virginia Berg looked like. <laughs> she looked like Danny DeVito with a wig on. Oh, like not bad. I mean, she's like, he. from his perspective, again, just remember, I just want to say this out there to all men, to all women too, if you if you have problems, if you, if you have a problems deciding if you want to sleep with somebody or not, and you f find somebody irrationally attractive, masturbate first. Masturbate before making a life-changing decision. All right, just go do the bit. My first reaction was absolute terrified shock to think that my mother would get so close to me and wrap her arms around me and her body around mine in such an homosexual embrace. It certainly was a loving embrace and affectionate, and perhaps she meant nothing by it whatsoever. But I think for the first time in my life, I had sexual feelings about my mother. And in those days, when very young, I was quite virile, impotent. I can remember having her snuggle and feeling her warm, soft body against mine, her bosoms against my back. She had on a nightgown, a very thin nightgown. She was still a beautiful woman at 55, charming, and although a little on the plump side, quite pretty and very attractive. And there she was, with her bosoms against my back and her arms wrapped around me, and almost her legs wrapped around me. 
I suddenly got quite an electric sexual jolt that I had never experienced before. And I was almost immediately erect. Perhaps if I had not been so conservative and extremely narrow-minded in my theology and religion at the time and so absolutely frightened of my mother's seeming abandon at the moment, I might have been a little more responsive. Perhaps I could have satisfied both of us and our mutual tremendous sexual needs. It could have developed into a beautiful sexual relationship. <sighs> All right. I mean, now my question is, is that who's hard now? (laughs) Well, I know I did want to ask, but I didn't want to ask, though. I don't I don't think we should even go down that road, because if you are, then thanks for listening. Um, (laughs) And if you aren't, that's good. I got a feeling if we ask David Berg the question that Henry's been asking everyone on uh, last stream on the left, uh, how much money would it take to have sex with your mother? I think that like I I would take a dollar simply for the Jimmy hat. Yeah, I think David would take one of those $1 ceremonial fees. <laughs> I think so, too. All right. No, but he didn't no, do it, is... so he did show some restraint. Uh, I mean, well, he didn't yeah, do Yeah, he didn't rape his own mother. Yeah, you're yes. right. So, I mean, I'm just, you know, so that is good. That's a positive. <laughs> now, with World War II raging and David not wanting any part of the fight, naturally, he became an ordained minister and conscientious ex objector in 1941 and met his first wife jane miller two years later they married and had two children deborah in 1945 and aaron in 1947 david was appointed to be a minister to a struggling church in valley farms arizona but was run out of town amid rumors of a sex scandal that to this day remain a mystery david said he left because he wanted Native Americans to attend the service, but the town refused, and he left Obviously, on moral grounds. Oh, I David see. David tried so hard. You know he tried so hard. <laughs> this is unbelievable. So this this disgusting human being took the moral high ground against fighting the Nazis, and then he went to, what was it, Texas? Uh, Arizona. Arizona, and pretended like he was too open-minded for the church? Yeah. What a jerk. Now, excuse me, your name is Chief Running Bear? <laughs> So lovely to meet you. Remind me, I, you. I, I couldn't help but notice your daughter yes. is so is so young and, and sweet. She is fourteen. Yes, fourteen. It's almost a it's almost a spinstrel in my age. <laughs> you know what a, I mean? I would appreciate it if you stayed away from my daughter. I want nothing to do with your daughter. <laughs> I want you nothing whatsoever. I was wondering if you wanted something to do with your own daughter. Hmm? Huh? Huh? These are the deleted scenes from There Will Be Blood. <laughs> drink your milkshake. Make love to your daughter. Huh. It always seems to go back to that in some strange way. You can find a segue into it no matter what we're talking about. Now, after he got run out of Valley Farms, he worked under a faith healer named Orville Jaggers... But that didn't work out. <laughs> these aren't names, and these aren't people. I don't believe any of this is true any longer. Well, you've never met a name guy. Orville Jaggers? <laughs> no, because that is like, that is a make-believe name that you tell the cops when you know you're on the lam. <laughs> what if that was what the original meaning of the song Moves Like Jagger came from? <laughs> Maybe. Now, after Orville... 
David moved on to an evangelist named Fred Jordan, who had founded the American Soul Clinic, which was a missionary training school. And David spent 15 years with Jordan working under his shadow, just as he had worked under the shadow of his mother. And a falling out came in 1966. And David, now almost 50 years old, took his four kids on the road as the Berg family singers, which was another failure. See, a yeah. lot of cult leaders are miserable failures before they find their calling. See, Berg was a failed preacher. If you watch uh, the documentary Holy Hell that's on Netflix yep. right now, it's fucking awesome. awesome. You'll see that the leader of the Buddha field cult, Jaime Gomez, who rechristened himself Andreas, was a failed actor. Yes. And gay uh, in gay porn as well. Yep. And Charles Manson was just an all-around failure. David Koresh? I mean, David Koresh, I mean, he was... Pretty much a failure. He was pretty much a failure. He got in he on was, it early. He was a religious career man. Yeah. You know I mean, so that's where David Berg is really interesting, is that because he was a religious career man, but he was just no good at it, mm-hmm. because his time just wasn't right. But also, we're going to look at... There's the, the other thing that's very similar uh, to serial killers in this respect, which is... The, you remember how we talked about the reason why a lot of serial killers go active in their 30s? Mm-hmm. Because the idea is that at some point, society looks at someone who's in their 30s and says, like, you should have a family, you should have a house, you should have some semblance of a career going together. And a lot of times, ser- serial killers have nothing, so it almost is like it becomes their new job. It becomes like a thing like, oh, I can do this. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, You can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with Horse picks. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse picks over various country borders... I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Yeah, so a lot of these people really are, like, for most of their lives, they are, they're failures, they're not actually doing much, they're not doing what they feel like they should be doing, uh, but Berg was actually about to catch his big break, but not before he had to live under his mother's shadow one last time. Hmm. See, Berg- how do you know how much he liked that, though? 
Oh, of course, yeah. So he for, just wished he was living under his mother's fucking panties. <laughs> so Virginia Berg was retired and living over in Huntington Beach in Southern California, Ooh. right outside of Los Angeles. And Ooh. Mama Berg couldn't help but notice all of the rudderless hippies wandering around with no particular place to be and nothing in particular to do. Right. So Virginia started handing out peanut butter sandwiches to the aimless youth of a hippie culture that was already dying and once those hippies were in her buttery embrace, she told them about the word of Jesus. I spent a week covered in peanut butter. It does not bring anyone closer to you. <laughs> oh, definitely not. It would be fun, though. Oh, it would be fun, yeah. Now, Dave- now, this is also, this is the main problem with being too open-minded. I'm down with being open-minded in general. As you can imagine, I'm fairly open-minded when it comes to things I believe in. But you just can't be turned on to Jesus Christ because somebody gave you a fucking peanut butter sandwich. If you're tripping nuts, though, it sounds like this chick is Jesus. <laughs> That's all. That's the only thing I want for my Lord and Savior is a peanut butter sandwich. I don't even need the jelly. I tell you, I tell you what, I, I fucking got a got a lot less for my fucking Catholic church than a peanut butter sandwich. I didn't even get molested. <laughs> That's sad. <laughs> David Berg rejoined his mother in Huntington Beach in 1968, changed the name of his kids' band from the Berg family singers to Teens for Christ, oh, and set good. them to performing on the beaches of California. And when Mama Berg finally died, David was 50 years old, and he said that at that moment, his bitterness turned into a voice for revolution. Now, you're going to see, so literally, his best time... Literally, the best part of his life was after he was 50 years old. Yeah. You need to remember that, guys. As that if you go out there and you're, you're struggling in your 30s, sometimes it takes your 50 to figure out how to run your cult. He's kind of like a Brian Cranston. That's true. But, I, yeah, I, yeah. The uh, like, yeah, it's kind of the Pentecostal days. That was like his Airwolf. You know, the uh, Huntington Beach time. That was sort of his. Uh, you would say his Malcolm in the Middle, and then eventually well, the Children of God. That would be his Breaking Bad. I like Malcolm in the Middle more than Breaking. Breaking Bad. I'm gonna say it. I like the little. I like the kid in the wheelchair. Why are you so weird? Uh, he's great, and I think Malcolm. Well, I mean, what a and perfect, are you saying, a tour de force, huh? Yeah, and I love the kid, and I love the little. And the, you know the what's also kid. one of the, my favorite parts about Malcolm in the Middle? None of the parents fuck the kids in it. Not once. <laughs> Not once. See, David Berg's movement was just one of many that were taking advantage of the disillusionment of the hippies in the late 60s. A lot of these people had come out of the good times feeling empty, and a lot of them decided the only thing that could fill the hole left behind was Jesus. If you're asking yourself... Jesus could fill that fucking nine-inch, fucking three-inch around fucking hole inside each one of us. Boom, 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 just fucking raggedly filling that hole. Like yeah. a jackhammer. I mean, a lot of people like wonder. In fact, I wondered this myself. Like, how is California so full of Christians? Why are there so many Christians in California? And this is one of the reasons why. Is that a lot of these people, they were in the hippie movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, they found that it was all complete and total horseshit. So they moved on to Jesus to still get that little jolt that they needed that they used to get from promiscuous sex and a little bit of weed and acid. Yeah. And let's be honest. The sun made makes you dumb and good weather makes you stupid everyone is beautiful so you don't have to be smart Mm -hmm. uh there it is a perfect storm of failed actors 
uh, future waiters who found Jesus Christ. All they were looking, they're empty vessels looking to be filled with any any kind of information and knowledge to give their life self-worth. There's literally, there's literally nothing more gullible or sellable than a failed actor. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> See, you I, could take a failed actor and you could turn them into anything. You could break them down. This is who this is who MK Ultra should have been using. Because oh, those, those fucking actors would have jumped right into fake being child prostitutes in a fucking second. Oh my god, the CIA is like, oh, we've got to give them drugs. We've got to no, you gotta give you have to be a manager who gives them a motivational speak about a speech about how great it is to wait on the wealthy. <laughs> and then boom, you ever have you ever been in the service industry? Yeah. The pre service speech oh. is like we're out there it's like a, it's like Patton yeah, telling the troops to go to war yeah I worked at Joe's Crab Shack you should have heard the bullshit that that guy told us before we went out to dance to the Austin Powers theme song <laughs> like, you need that, to put everything you have is- into the chicken dance if you don't put everything you have then you are doing a disservice to the Joe's Crab Shack name they say the next frontier is space but many scientists <laughs> say that the next frontier is the ocean now also remember Conk fritters are four for nine today. <laughs> Whoa! Did you just say four for nine today? See, as far as really sweeping in uh, and taking advantage of all this, Berg is really not that different from Manson. And in fact, Charles Manson is the cult leader that I would compare Berg to the most. Berg, like Manson, came upon the 60s counterculture from a completely different world as an outsider and immediately saw an opportunity to manipulate and control these people. And who else does it sound like? Outsider talking to from the like coming in the opportunity to manipulate broken people. Alex Jesus Jones. Christ. Is that, are you talking about Alex Jones? No, Alex Jones is now legit. I know he's become a voice in, in America. But now look at this this time period. We had Manson, Jim Jones, L. Ron Hubbard. They were all. In the same areas, right? Doing the same shit. They were all like Scientology was another offshoot of weird, weird, weird Christianity, Christianity mixed with like meditation practices. You got Jim Jones also doing fringe Christianity. Everybody is getting into the everybody getting into it business. Yeah, and it's all in California. If I could go back in time, you're talking to a 1950s father yelling at his son for growing out his hair. Everything he told that son was true. You go, <laughs> you're right. All of a sudden, you're gonna have starts having sex with everybody. You're gonna take drugs. You're gonna end up an evangelical crazy Christian or whatever it might be. <laughs> it all became true. I almost think the the 50s were a better generation than the 60s because the <laughs> 60s caused the 70s. <laughs> See, the big difference between Berg and Manson was that Berg was about 20 years older than Manson because Manson was in his early 30s when he came across the hippie movement. And Berg also already had extensive training as a charismatic religious leader from years in the Pentecostal church. But most importantly, Berg wasn't a complete and total moron like Manson was. <laughs> like Berg, like Berg Look, had more. Manson's just a fucking idiot <laughs> who just you just fucking slip slopped his way in there, and then you've got. But like Berg has training, yes. which is really right. dangerous for a group of impressionable people. He had fifteen man, years training in a missionary school. I gotta give the guy a little bit of credit. He did his time. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like he just jumped right to crazy preacher like Manson did. He worked really hard at the profession. So the Children of God had its beginnings at the Light Club, a coffee house and youth ministry in Huntington Beach started by Teen Challenge, which was a part of the Pentecostal denomination Assemblies of God. Ugh. And it was almost tailor-made to have Berg step in. 
There's so many places like this in L.A. when you drive around that are just offshoots of Scientology. It's all the same shit. It's like one is like the House of Unified Philosophy, the House of like all of these like weird like they have like esoteric five or four word long like club names. They're all offshoots of Scientology, all leads back to a cult mentality. And it's so L.A. has not changed a fucking bit. No, absolutely not. See, Berg, he let his kids lay the groundwork. The band, the Teens for Christ. They would lure people off the boardwalk by covering pop songs. Then they give them free coffee and free peanut butter sandwiches. Ugh. No! <laughs> Again with the peanut butter sandwich trap. It's too dry. It's too dry. I don't. I know. I don't understand. But their mouths are so wet with just acid drip. And once these people were comfortable, that's when the proselytizing would begin. And you know what the science, the, the Celebrity Center for Scientology uses? They play Major League on a screen outside of the the Celebrity oh Center God. once a week. Wait, Major League, the, the Charlie the Charlie Sheen movie, the baseball yes. movie. Yes, it is unbelievable. With you Willie Mays Hayes. You don't have to do any. Yeah, the balls. The guy <laughs> walking around. Uh, you don't. It's so easy. You just give them a little bit. You just make them feel mildly comfortable. Yeah, it's a very common tactic among cults. They lull in vulnerable people into a place of comfort and belonging, mm. and once that person feels like they finally found a group that understands them, it's usually after like a couple of days. The Harry Krishnas were really good about this. They'd go up to people uh, that looked lost, that looked a little bit sad, and they'd say like, hey, brother, what's going on? They'd start having a conversation with them, and then they'd say like, hey, listen, we're all going up to this retreat in the mountains for a couple of days. Do you want to come with us? You got anything going on? And these people, they're very lonely, they're very sad, yeah. and they got nothing to do. And also, people were a lot more trusting back then, and they'd say, sure, let's go and check it out. You know what that sound is? What? That's the sound of fish in the boat. <laughs> Going to fishing, reeling in the fish. That's it. Yeah, and then after they hung out for a couple of days and they had a really good time, they really like everybody, Every and more importantly, everybody likes them. Right. And that is when the sales pitch comes in. Because think about this. Who is a more unspoken to and an unloved group of people than a group of people that would show up on a lawn in the middle of Franklin Avenue in order to watch Major League in public. <laughs> I agree. You know what, though? There has to be at least a few people who totally understood what the game was. Let's just say I'm walking of down course. the street. Papa John's is in the house. Papa's in the house. Come on in. Free Papa. I'm like, okay, I'm going to be there. As soon as they start preaching, I'm out. Yeah. You're a sucker. I'm the winner. You're an <laughs> asshole. I just got I free Papa John's. Two credit cards. I signed up for two credit cards to get free sandwiches at um, at Quiznos. <laughs> you 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 beat Capital One. <laughs> See what Berg would do is he lurked in the shadows and he watched his kids perform for all the unwashed hippies. He'd pay attention to what they responded to and what turned them off. And he finally came up with the perfect in capital T capital S. The system. System, man. Yeah, the system, dude. That's what's keeping us down, right. bro. God, it is so Trumpian. Um, <laughs> it's ridiculous. It really is. And in 1968, he published his public declaration in a Huntington Beach newspaper called The War on the System, where he raged against the educational system, the church system, the government, and most importantly, the parental system. And Fuck yeah. This, Fuck mom. Fuck dad. Yeah. They won't let you have sex with them. They don't understand. <laughs> 
menu. And then if that wasn't enough, here's a free peanut butter sandwich. <laughs> Boom! I mean, now you know what? I'm hooked. Now I actually want to I want to be one of the child of God. See, this right here, this was a genius move on Berg's part. He parent he painted he painted the parents as the rebels rather than the kids being the rebels. See, the kids, they were looking to return to the old times and things were simple. You know, you just, why you gotta wear a shirt, man? Why we gotta wear shoes? Why can't we just wear sandals, share everything? Why can't we just be a community? Why do we gotta get a job? And yeah, I'm sitting here in my underwear and a dog bed. <laughs> you are the future, yeah. Henry. And Berg told them that it was the parents who were actually rebelling against God, which it's pretty much I'm not crazy, you're crazy. We're the normal ones. What kind of God would be looking down on earth and be like, take it off. Take your clothes off, would you? I mean, they're like bizarre strip club owners or something. <laughs> but really, what they would do is they'd say like, man, Jesus was the biggest rebel of all. Oh, I heard this so much oh, growing up. This, I'm having so many flashbacks oh, to Iwanas. Yeah, oh, absolutely, man. Like, Berg, he, the people like him, they're the forerunners of all those Jesus is radical youth oh, pastors God, that know. we all had to fucking deal with. Ugh. The cool preachers who every once in a while would say, damn. Oh, shit. And ooh, the, ooh, ooh, yeah, whoa. I don't give a damn what they think. Oh, my God, he must be amazing. We'd better trust everything he fucking says. And you know what? How many of those cool youth pastors, we all know a cool youth pastor who got busted for fucking one of the teenagers. They Absolutely. always were fucking the teenagers. <laughs> That's the whole they point. They always were. Reverend Jim, what do you have to, what do you do after meet up today? He's like, hey, man. Just call me Jim. <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah, no, cool. Yeah, I couldn't help but notice you were hanging out with Allison like a long time afterwards. I didn't know if you guys were having some kind of Bible study or like some kind of hangout, like some kind, some kind of cool. Because I'd love to come. I got all this popcorn. I'd love to make popcorn and maybe we could play the guitar or something. He's like, no, 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 Paul. You're so fucking stupid. No, 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 Paul. I just need you to just stick to Bible, son. Stick to meetup. Okay? All right? Because, uh... I'm going to be knuckles deep in Allison in about two hours. Oh, it's right? unreal. Get it out of here. Get it out of here. All right? Love Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ loves you. <laughs> so accurate. Yeah. The so punk, accurate. The punk youth minister. All, yep. all of these fucking... I mean, it is disgusting. Like, I want my men of God to be old and kind of crusty. Yes, yeah. they could be very friendly. They could be very much about love and peace. But don't try to fucking be cool. I just want Mr. Rogers. By the way, Mr. <laughs> Rogers, uh, I read... Devout a, Christian. Great man. Wonderful man. I read a little bit about uh, Mr. Feely, the mailman. Yeah. He did regret that name. He really did. He did. I bet he did. I bet he did. He didn't understand how people would pervert it. He didn't get it. I can't remember where Mr. McFeely came from. It was his mother's maiden name. Yeah, McFeely was his mother's maiden name. So he did it as a tribute to her and then just didn't think about it because he's such a kind soul. Such a great guy. They changed it from the first draft of the name, which was Mr. McFeel me. Uh, See, that's why. That's why. That's why That's he why. hated it. But they also flipped because the idea is that the way the hippies, so they talk about how like hippies never call themselves hippies, right? They call themselves freaks. Yeah. That's kind of the idea is that they they adopted the name uh, yeah. freaks. And so in this world, they like the term Jesus freak. Right. They would talk about the term Jesus yes. freak to the point where Billy Graham said, I love the Jesus freaks. Right. Who cares if they've got long hair because they preach in Jesus Christ? And then when it comes down to it, what's lamer? than Billy Graham saying he likes you. Oh, these jerk-offs. These are the ones who put Carter in the White House. <laughs> but we're not even going to get into that. Um, it is interesting, though. So he did not want to be the God. He did allow Jesus to be the, the, the main figure of his cult. 
cult. He wanted to be Moses. Sure. Yeah. yeah but that, that is was, a little bit different than someone like a David Koresh or mm, Charles Manson. Yeah. Guess, they're, they're, right? they're, he was not the savior. He was merely the person. He was the prophet. That's right. what he wanted to be. All he wanted to be was the prophet. He wasn't claiming because that was able to get even more people in because if you've got like a cult leader that is claiming I am God, then you're going to have a hell of a lot less people uh, saying, yes, yeah, sign me up. But right. if you have someone saying like, I'm not God, we love God, but I have all of the answers that God is giving me, then that is at least a tiny bit more reasonable. You know, like, yeah. I mean, you look at people like Joel Austin. Of course, you, attach yourself to a bigger brand. Yeah. That's it, all it is. Exactly. Well, again, it's also about, it's it's feeding them and letting it grow. Because you can say, it's like, so we're saying right here, right? He started growing out his hair and his beard, giving sermons dressed in a Japanese kimono, which is questionable. But then he, he's mixing around the names because it's really about coming up with a good name. Right, because yeah. the cult needs a good like Om Shinrikyo. <laughs> Whoa, that is That's a, good such name. a good cult name. Yeah, it's wonderful. He went from Teens for Christ to the Jesus Children to the Jesus Movement. Getting there to Revolutionaries for Christ, fun. which is kind of fun. It's getting there. It's a little Civil War reenactmenty. Yeah, a little yeah, bit. Little stinky. Little but stinky. Finally, they were actually given their name through a newspaper article that was written about them when they started getting a little bigger. A newspaper journalist Uh called them the children of God. Ding, 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 ding. Which is also how Spider-Man got his name. Isn't that nice? And didn't Richard Ramirez also get his name from the newspapers? The Night Stalker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he wanted like, to be something else, right? He wanted like uh, the, well, they originally called him uh, what was it? The Screen Door Intruder. <laughs> yes, yeah, Screen Door Intruder. Yes. <laughs> so what they did is they co-opted '60s counterculture even further by encouraging sit-ins, marches, and protests against established churches and what they deemed to be unfair arrests at Huntington Beach College when a few of their members were charged with trespassing when they refused to stop handing out religious pamphlets on campus. These guys really push to make themselves an enemy. And this is why I do sympathize with people in political power because everyone looks at protesters like, oh, they must be protesting for my cause. But then you actually go and talk to them and you're like, no, I am protesting less gaping in porn. Or like whatever, like they what? protest these random, you know, people aren't racist enough and I'm yeah. here to tell the tell the American people to get more racist. It's like, you guys are getting creative. What is, uh, but, but also remember at this point, the Children of God was a, almost asexual church, right? It's like he was doing it was no, there was no sex. There was the no anti-sexual church. Yes, it was like becoming a very. Uh, it was about purity. It was about they were t- preaching God and they were driving around on buses. And the idea was that they were the only uh, sex was only allowed between a married man and woman. And it was about purely living in your faith, and which is what really got people involved in it, actually, because there was so much hedonism in the hippie movement that everyone was used to drugs and sex. They wanted a break from it. So that's a part of how he sort of keyed them in. Like now he's doing that. Not only he has the look of a hippie and like they all do, they all look like hippies, but now he's saying it's actually cool to be pure. And so that's built. It's building a little world where everybody feels comfortable and then slowly but surely you start fucking with it yeah, to these, see what you can get away with. Yeah, a lot of these people, like all of the free love and drugs, it hurt a lot of people. Like it's, oh, yeah, it, yeah it, abso- it hurt a lot of people in a lot of different ways. I mean, it really scarred the soul. You know, a lot of these people uh, in Haight-Ashbury, like, for example, like, I mean, that turned into a heroin tent. I mean, yeah. a lot of these kids came out. Uh, they came out and they were homeless. A lot of them ended up in prostitution. And not only that, but, you know, if you're fucking somebody and you really dig them and all of a sudden they start fucking somebody else saying that it's free love, that sucks. 
Right. It really does suck. I mean, these people, like the, the hippie movement was just a, a whole field of heartbreak. Yeah. And people like David Berg came in and told him, like, hey, listen, we're going to get away from all that. We're still going to do the spiritual stuff. We're still going to do the stuff that you can feel good about. We're only going to take the stuff that you can feel good about, and that's all we're going to do until, of course, he decides to do a little bit more. So by 1969, it was time for Berg to start making prophecies like all good cult leaders are prone to do. He predicted that a great earthquake was going to swallow up California. So they got to get the hell out of mm. there a lot like Manson once again. And Om Shinrikyo, everybody. Cults have to have a narrative. Yeah. A cult leader has to start building a narrative to keep people in line. And you have to develop a sort of loose time limit mm. because you're well, you're creating the tension urgency. you're creating yes it's your you're you're stuck in this and we're gonna do and, and now because what you can do is be like it's only a year it's only two years people are signing on for little chunks of time until all of a sudden it's been 15 20 right. years because mm -hmm. that's the idea is you keep stringing it and moving the timeline you yeah. sound like every divorcee <laughs> everyone who's ever been in a marriage and it's also they tend these prophecies tend to lead to more isolation right yeah. they tend to like separate themselves from society further and yeah. further and further yeah I mean he had to get these people on the move because they're just hanging out and if people are just hanging out then eventually people get bored that's just yeah. human nature people just get bored so you have to keep them moving you have to give them something to look forward to even if it is the end of the world they get bored, and also they are connected to society still. So there's still judgment. They're receiving judgment probably from friends and family, mm. from places where they go to. They're like they are now being known as cult members. They're being talked about behind their back, and he's also seeing like the TV. Everyone's watching TV. They're starting to maybe think, well, maybe this is not normal. Maybe this is not. Maybe groupthink, which is always bad, is bad. You know what I mean? It's just like they they're starting to think, and then so he needs to like, no, 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 no. I need to bring them just into my hands. Yeah, and not only that, but parents are starting to notice as well. Well, parents are starting to get real worried about all of these cults, extremely worried. So in 1969, Berg left a small congregation behind in Huntington Beach just in case the earthquake did not swallow up California. And that was the beginning of his many colonies that would over the next couple of decades dot the entire planet. You guys don't even know just yet the huge gigantic scope of this cult. So Berg fled to Arizona with about 50 followers, comparing his trek to the Israelites' wanderings in the wilderness. And here they formed into 12 groups modeled after the 12 tribes of Israel, and the children of God began their organization in earnest. These guys must have been so fucking annoying. <laughs> Apparently they would pull in two or three school buses deep. And the idea is that, number one, they did not pay for anything yeah. so everything had to be donated they didn't have any cash or they would take one credit card from one family member's like cousin or, or uncle or father and they would pay for a bunch of shit they would roll in and then their big thing was proselytizing they would come in and immediately evangelize everybody around them they must have been so like you see because they're also pretty attractive yeah, like yeah. young like hippie people playing guitar and all this shit it's like man that would have must have been so lame when they showed up I mean and most cults are attractive that's oh. the that's the amazing thing is that sure. these people what they do is they bring in the attractive people they really like the Manson family his whole thing was getting cute girls and getting people to uh, bring them to, he used to get cute girls and then have those cute girls bring more people into the fold uh, the uh, Budafield cult their whole thing was beautiful people that was the hottest goddamn cult I've ever seen in my life the hottest one yeah 
Oh, yes. even yeah. hotter than it the like, uh, Hawaiian that, Tropic cult? <laughs> <laughs> that so, and the Source family. The Source yeah. family and uh, Budafield. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Super nice. These cults, I just want to say, these cults are so, there were so many of them. I was just watching a documentary on Netflix about this guy who, I think he called himself a circuit breaker. Mm-hmm. There was just like PIs that would be hired by families of, you know, uh, members of their family would go and join cults, and they would just kidnap them off the streets and then bring them into these institutions and, and break their ma- minds again. Deprogram. Deprogram. Yeah, we're, we're actually going to get into okay, that guy it. on the next episode. Oh, great, great. Yeah, it's a yeah. great documentary oh, on Netflix. Oh, yeah. He, yeah. he went hard against the children of God. Yes, he did. Yeah, he really did. So when they were in Arizona, that's when Karen Zerby, aka Mama Maria, Ooh. entered the picture. Zerby was another child of a preacher just like Berg and had been raised extremely conservative. She was described as, quote, skinny, buck-toothed, and extraordinarily plain. <laughs> she was a very plain-looking woman, but you can see how this charismatic man, a older, in a kimono, surrounded by people who worship him, can pull somebody pull someone like this deep into his web. Yeah, he was 28 because, years older than her. Well, if yeah. you're extraordinarily plain, I think that you're no longer plain. You're like <laughs> Shelley Duvall, who, by the way, does not Shelley look Duvall good. Shelley Duvall is very sick. Yeah, she, she is, is very mentally ill. Yeah. Yes. She believes that Robin Williams is not uh, dead. She believes that he is shape-shifting. I, believe, I think she also believes Robin Williams is a real grandmother, and he <laughs> wants to take care of the kids. That's all he wants to do. I just can't believe that that old woman set her own breasts on fire. I can't. That's... <laughs> so, despite being extraordinarily plain, Karen Zerby was destined to become Queen Maria David Berg's second wife. Now, ironically, Karen was whisked away from her home by Jane Berg, David's first wife. After Karen had decided to join the children, Jane showed up at her house and distracted Karen's parents while Karen packed up her things. They then fled and jumped in a van and met the rest of the congregation over at the Sears parking lot where they liked to hang out on weekends because nobody would really bother them there. Oh, God, they're like waiting for Doc uh, to show up in a DeLorean. I mean, what they just hang out in a, before? They this is what people used to do. Parking lot all weekend. In the yeah. night, in the night. For those that don't know, the, for the younger generation, 1990s, a lot of time in the Target parking lot. So much time in parking lots. So much all parking lot. All we used lot. to do is smoke weed in the car behind the Walmart. That's all you did. Dumpster. And yeah. then you would just go home. Yeah, and then you dig through the dumpster and see what you could find. Well, no, Marcus, that was... That's what that, you did, that because was you lived like edition. a raccoon. Yes. <laughs> um, but this is very interesting. So then you're going to see how little allowances build to the entire cult. David Berg talked to Jane Berg, right? And he slowly said, I think that Karen is special, right? And so he's like, okay. So they went all... They did the full package to get her out of there. Well, now Berg starts working on Zerby telling her super super special super special while they're sitting in a sweet 26 foot long 1963 Ooh. dodge camper Ooh. that many of the members also shared and he called it the ark yeah it, uh, he knows it doesn't float right <laughs> This is what Berg said about uh, the courtship between him and Karen later in a letter that went out to thousands of his followers. Mostly we were just doing what we used to call necking, just kissing, cuddling, fondling, and petting. She was a virgin, so it took me a little while to get her opened up. But finally, one night, we got it together, and I mean sex. (laughs) Good lord. 
know, the reason why we have so many, we're going to talk about this. The reason why we have so many quotes from David Berg is that because eventually he would go into isolation and the only way he would speak to his entire cult was with these letters called the Mo letters, which we'll get into. So eventually, Berg convinced both his wife and Zerby that polygamy was the only way to go from then on. And in a How meeting, do you convince these people? I mean, How do you swing this Because he's, he used his status as the end time prophet. He said, listen, I'm the end time prophet. He found biblical justification for fucking Zerby on the reg and he re- rechristened her Maria oh so close to Mary because he because his uh, wife his first wife was already all in like she'd been with him for years she had stood by him yeah. uh, for years and she bought all into this too and let's not pretend that these women aren't thrilled to have a night off from getting humped by this disgusting <laughs> maniac who thinks he's the second coming I mean it's I, I would be more than happy to get another gal in there that has to pet this hog so later that year Berg gathered his movement which had grown to about a hundred by this time to the, to the Laurentian Mountains of Quebec a gathering that would be seen as the founding convention of the children of God. David declared himself the new Moses, christening himself Moses David, which would later be shortened to just Mo. David said that the end times were here and he was the only one who could lead his people away from the established churches and the uncaring world of man. And so it was time for Armageddon to begin once again. And as we learned with mm. Om Shinrikyo and the Manson cult, the best way to get people to do your bidding is to convince them that not only is the world ending, but the only way they can be saved is if they follow you and nobody else. It's a good formula. It's a great formula. Berg, he went straight fundamentalist in his escape plan, saying that his followers were to be the 144,000 allowed into heaven after the end times came. And he, which is what he also took that from the Mormon shit. That's like that's literally mm. what he did. He took that little that little tool from the Mormons. Well, I mean, yeah, it's just not the Mormons. I mean, that that's been used by fundamentalist Christians for for decades before Berg came along. And he even sweetened the pot by saying that his followers would be able to pray people out of heaven to fill in their heavenly numbers should they not get to the 144,000 before the end times came. Uh, Mr. Berg, that's really great, but do we have any more peanut butter sandwiches? (laughs) I'm just here for the peanut butter sandwiches. Unfortunately, we ran out of peanut butter sandwiches on Tuesday, but I tell you what we've got piles and piles of. Cunny linguists. <laughs> 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 Berg said that Satan came in the form of protesters, teachers, government officials, and pastors. No authority figure could be trusted except Berg himself. And of course. Of course, and keeping true to the cult mentality, all new members were required to sign what they called revolutionary contracts, which forfeited all assets and properties to the cult. The children of God soon settled at the Texas Soul Clinic outside of the ghost town of Thurber, Texas, which is where we'll pick back up next week. I'm just going to say, you know what? You don't have to settle outside of Ferber, Texas. Go inside. Thurber's a ghost Standard. town. Yeah, no Thur- one's there. It's right just at- settle right into. Well, there's a bit of a tourist thing. It's uh, an old mining town. It's right off of I-20. It's right near Groom and Desdemona. I and, heard uh, if you're real lucky, you could stub your foot on a piece of coal. <laughs> that is exciting. Yes, Henry, you if you are really lucky, you can. Thurber's a wonderful place in Texas I, does mythology. It doesn't sound very Thurber's well. great. You said it was a ghost town. Terrible. Yeah, I know. That's it's super terrible. cool. Do you guys not want to go to a ghost town? Well, I, just, I wouldn't no. describe it as like a great bastion of fun. Yeah, I want to go to a place town. that has like a bar and a movie theater is and like a, a, yeah. like a dance hall. The bar You can go to the bar in Clarendon. But there isn't one in Ferber. <laughs> so I, I would like to go to the bar in Ferber, but then there wasn't one. Thurber. Thurber. No, oh, I see. This, Thurber. I'm sorry. Just remember, 
the whole thing about this these episodes, which I like, is to remember that groupthink is always bad. Always and bad. Well, unless you have, bad. if you're a construction team building a highway, it's very good. That's Otherwise, working together. That's not groupthink. Well, you have to think with one mind. Well, no, you don't. No. No, the jackhammers need to think like jackhammers. <laughs> and the hammer guys, the irregular hammers, need to think like hammers. The hammer and guys? The I hammer guy. I don't think, I don't even know if you <laughs> use you a hammer to build a highway, but <laughs> anyway. Um, all right, so the Armageddon is upon us. Yeah, the Armageddon is upon us. They oh, have uh, set up their first official settlement, and uh, next week is when we're really going to get into the absolutely disgusting stuff like flirty fishing, and then the week after that is when we're going to see murder so this is the most innocent of the three parts easily the most innocent this is just telling you who these this is just telling you who these people are how they operate and what they do and this is and we've never really covered a full-on christian cult before i mean all the rest of the guys we've covered i mean waco that was more about you know the government's response to it om shinrikyo uh they were more you know like they were a sci-fi cult the manson family they were a manson cult uh but i think it is important for us to really go through these Christian cults and especially now uh, cult mentality because cult yeah. mentality is big now on every side. I Literally, mean, it's just like lynch mobs are everywhere on every part every part of, 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 of our landscape in America right now and at this it's bad. It is always bad. Yeah. Stay individual. Stay an individual. <laughs> Everybody, like, be an individual. Well, I mean, you know, Think for someone, If someone offers you a peanut butter sandwich, you know, hear what no, they have to say. No, just hear what they have to no. say. That's all Never I'm saying. do it. Don't uh, even listen. Don't listen because, ooh, the sweet temptation of a peanut butter sandwich. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening to, to this recent episode of Last Podcast on the Left. Thanks for supporting all the shows here on Cave Comedy Radio. Um, let's see, we got Roundtable of Gentlemen. That's uh-huh. a very fun show if you want to get, uh, you know, just hang out with us. Poop Gate's back in the news, <laughs> apparently, and Mattress Gate is currently, uh, you Ma- know. Mattress uh, Gate's big right now. Mattress Gate is. Mattress Gate is big, and I, I have the, I was the one who technically provided the evidence mm-hmm. that started the whole Mattress yeah. Gate thing again. Again, and I gotta say, give I'll give you two hundred dollars to give the mattress if we could mail it to Donald Trump. <laughs> I think that would be a campaign contribution that might be well, maybe now legal. Mm-hmm. Um, it, well, speaking of Donald Trump, able against Top Hat, we we were uh, just on the news and new and noteworthy uh, yeah. part of iTunes, so yeah. that was so nice. We're on the front page of nice. iTunes. Thank you guys so much. We beat Glenn Beck. Yeah. Uh, speaking of cult leaders, who now wants to sort of backtrack on the cult that he started? Oh, but. did you see that picture of him with little uh, with that trilby hat and glasses. the scarf and the glasses? Yeah, <laughs> it's it's special. He's really having a good time. He is. So thank you so much for supporting the shows. Uh, page seven, sex and other human activities, the Lucky Bone Show, and listen to Wizard and the Bruiser as well. Holden McNeely and Jake uh, Young do a great um, uh, video game show. Absolutely. And uh, December seventeenth in Portland, we still have some tickets for uh, our early show that's definitely going to sell out so get your tickets now January 7th in Boston we still got some tickets for the early show there as well Uh, these shows are without a doubt going to sell out so don't sit on your hands get those tickets now and we're going to be releasing tickets in December for Chicago and San Francisco we can officially say those are coming so if you want first crack at those tickets go and follow us at LP on the left go join the Facebook group Uh, tickets are always announced on those pages before we announce it on the show so if you want to make sure to get your tickets to these shows go and follow us uh, and you'll uh, be sure to get uh, first crack at these things that's right and you know what you are allowed to sit on your hands if you can 
can type with your nose. That's kind of funny. <laughs> and if true. you really want to get first crack at these uh, tickets, join our Patreon. Uh, thank you so much to everybody who has uh, joined our Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash lastpodcast on the left if you want to give. Even a dollar yep. helps. Every tiny little bit helps. And it really is a big lifesaver here. In fact, it allowed Ben to do something pretty exciting that's, lately. That's right. I have big news. It will still be appearing on Fox News, but it will no longer be producing on Fox News because I don't have to do that any longer. So thank you guys so much from the bottom of my heart. I'm making money solely through the art and solely through um, you know uh, these wonderful podcasts and live performances. And it really does mean a lot to me. It's a it's a, been a long, unbelievable journey, but. 20 years in the making. Yeah. Um, so nice thank you guys see, so much. It's nice to see that you're, you're, you, I mean, you have tentative morals, but they were literally, they were challenged. <laughs> they and were challenged. And you, and you stepped back and you, and you did it. You saw yeah. the devil and then you came right back. The bad devil, not the good devil. Yes. Because also, speak of the good devil, please watch your pretty faces going to hell on Adult Swim. Sundays, 1130 Eastern Standard Time. We, we're really doing well in the ratings, and we really need to keep it that way. I I, it's, I work so hard on the show. We all work so hard on the show. It's like, please, please watch if you can. Like, it's, these next couple episodes are going to be really funny, too. Yeah. Awesome. And, uh, of course, don't forget, speaking of Adult Swim, don't forget to watch uh, the last stream on the left. That's at adultswim.com uh, every Friday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we're going to be taking next week off. Uh, we're not going to have an episode or a new stream next week. Uh, we're all going to take a little bit of time off, let right. our brains spool back up again. Uh, but we will be back in two weeks with Children of God Part 2. That's right. We will be doing a top hat, though, and we will give you information to to win the Thanksgiving dinner table. Oh, you're going to win it so hard. I came up with a good... <laughs> I actually came up with a pretty good metaphor uh, to help explain it to uh, the farmers, but we'll talk about that. Uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, how to... Ex- about, tell about your little politics on the next show. I cannot handle it here. This <laughs> is a safe space. <laughs> this is a safe space. Surprisingly uh, uh, safe, considering... Yeah. And make sure you plug us, follow us on Twitter at Henry Loves You, Instagram yep. at Dr. Fantasty, Dr. Fantasty. I'm at Ben Kissel, uh, Ben Kissel one on Instagram. Still don't know how to use it, uh, but please follow me on Twitter. I really do love uh, interacting. And Marcus Parks is Marcus Parks for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, for last podcast on the left, follow us at LP on the left on everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's it. Um, yeah, hail yourselves. Yeah, hail game. Hail Satan. Hail Satan. Hail sweet, sweet Satan. These times, these hard, hard times, is good to rely on the only person that is remotely reliable, Satan himself, and which uh, is yourself. So nice. And guys. Don't have sex with your child this week. <laughs> Good God. I don't think we have to constantly say that. Uh, I, don't... I think we do. Unfortunately, I think we I do. Just... Donald Trump called... Hail yourself, Lord. Right. Hail yourself. You said no politics. Make gustalations. Our president. <laughs> Make gustalations. I said. I said my gustalations. That's, that's the end of it. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com. <laughs>